Hi, this is Nicole Hemsoth, editor of HPC Wire, here with today's edition of Soundbite, our daily interview series featuring researchers, thought leaders, and newsmakers in the world of high-performance computing. Today we'll be talking with Jason Stowe, CEO of Cycle Computing. His company recently announced a partnership that will allow customers to run Schrodinger's materials science suite on the cloud using Cycle Computing's CycleCloud orchestration software. We'll discuss that as well as broader trends in technical cloud computing. So, Jason, if you don't mind, let's back up for a moment and talk about the mega run you did with Schrodinger uh, previously, for those who aren't aware. Yeah, sure. So we, we worked with um, uh, Matt Halls and his group at Schrodinger Material Science and uh, a user, Dr. Uh, Mark Thompson. Uh, essentially, some of the research that they do is in the area of organic semiconductors. So this is, a, uh, as I understand it, and, and Matt knows the, the science, obviously, exceptionally well, but but from a, a layperson's vantage point, what they were trying to find was a more efficient compound for turning sunlight into electricity. So this is basically a, a layered organic compound. So what this means is that every layer has a different material on it. And the challenge is that you know each layer could have millions of potential materials uh, uh, you know be that layer. So when you multiply out having you know a six-layer material, um, the combinatorial process kicks in, and, and there's essentially a, uh, an explosion in the number of possibilities. So I think the way you know uh, Dr. Thompson said it was best is that you know the 20th century was the century of silicon materials, the 21st century will be the century of organic silicon materials. The problem is how do we not spend the entire 21st century finding the right material? Um, and that that essentially is the issue. So what we did is we ran about 205,000 compounds, which required about 2.3 million hours of computing uh, on a 156,000 core uh, computing environment on uh, the AWS cloud. And um, essentially, we grabbed resources from every region of uh, uh, of Amazon's uh, web services cloud environment. This is, you know, Australia, Singapore, Japan, Brazil, Oregon, California, uh, Virginia, and the EU and, and Northern Ireland. Um, so all of those uh, regions contributed cores into one computing environment that did that 2.3 million hours in 18 hours. And um, if you were to buy a 156,000 core environment, it would cost approximately $68 million last year to, to build that. Mm-hmm. But um, instead, we were able to borrow one for uh, an 18-hour window for $33,000. And basically what we're excited about now is we're, we're making this so anyone can do it. We have, um, you know, we think we have it in a, a, a format where it's, uh, besides that initial production run at a very large scale, we can now do these, you know, in a production way um, for for anyone that needs to to run basically uh, Schrodinger material science workloads, especially in you know organic uh, semiconductor space. Mm-hmm. And we've talked uh, bef- before about this particular use case and some of the other work you've done to make all of this happen. What do the nodes look like behind the cloud? Are you just using vanilla EC2 instances, or is there anything special about the machines you're using? Yeah, that's a great question. So we we have been using. Um, at the time, we used uh, uh, Sandy Ridge uh, infrastructure for a, a very large part of the core count. Uh, so this is the um, uh, Intel Sandy Ridge architecture is present in the CC2 cluster compute nodes. 
Um, there are now uh, essentially Ivy Bridge class machines that are available as of uh, Amazon reInvent in November of last year. Um, so if we, you know, as we look at, at use cases going forward, I think I would expect to see, in addition to the Sandy Bridge infrastructure, uh, a significant amount of, of Ivy Bridge as well. Uh, because mm-hmm. these algorithms perform very well on on that processor architecture. Mm-hmm. Have you done any internal benchmarking to compare performance and price on that front? Uh, yeah, we have. We actually have as part of our software kind of an automated way of of running uh, node types and seeing which uh, for a given workload we have a kind of a patent application around this process. Um, seeing which node types are are optimal and then automatically using those. Um, so I know that the CC2 at the time that we did the large mega run topped out the um, uh, the list. Uh, the 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 newer instances, the C3 instances that are our IV bridge also perform exceptionally well. Unfortunately, I don't remember the numbers off the top of my head of of exactly what you know how many materials per per core hour you can get on one versus the other. Um, but I do know that there um, you know we have seen increased performance in general. Uh, and mm-hmm. from a, a practical standpoint, we, when you normalize with what the current, you know, on-demand or spot prices are uh, for those instance types, there are, you know, some of the other CPU, you know, high CPU instance types uh, can also be really valuable. So uh, I know that the third generation M3 instance types sometimes perform very well on workloads like this, as do, um, uh, you know, the original C1s. Uh, also tend to perform very well. It's really a question, you know, of the amount of RAM required and and, and then web instance types are available when you want to do a large run like this. Yeah, sure. You you have to get them all together. I suppose that's certainly a factor. Have have any of your customers asked to use the GPU flavored instances or the HPC instances? So we do have, yeah, we do have the uh, customers using G2s and we have customers using uh, CG1s. Um, uh, we, we, back in the day when, when the CG1 instance type was first announced, we actually had the, you know, I, I believe the first, definitely the first public, but I believe also the first, you know, just plain production, uh, workload on those, on those nodes that was for an HPC use case. Um, we ran for a large pharma, essentially, a, a, I thought, I think it was 128 or 120 GPU, uh, environment. To um, to do a, a essentially a protein fold uh, kind of operation. It was a, a essentially some form of proteomics that was being done at the time. And it's funny, it's been three years and I've forgotten uh, <laughs> the exact details of that case study. I know it's in our blog, but uh, but outside of that, um, I, we have had over the years, you know, kind of from that starting point, uh, users who had difficulty in getting GPUs installed in, in the data center because of the you know the heat footprint and power requirements are sometimes mm-hmm. out of bands compared to normal infrastructure, the cloud offers a great way to, to take advantage of GPUs uh, without having to, you know, essentially reconfigure your data center. Um, right. So it's, uh, it's definitely been a use case. Uh, in this case, I think, um, you know, for the material science workload with, with, with Schrodinger right now, um, you know, I know that, that a lot of the, the codes being operated are, are CPU-based. Um, there are uh, a good number of computational chemistry applications that we have customers running on GPU nodes as well, uh, but but in this use case, um, it's primarily a CPU-based application. 
Mm-hmm. So let's talk a little bit more about how you've extended your partnership with Schrodinger. So you've, you're enabling then uh, their material science suite to run on the cloud for their customers. Is that correct? Yeah. So the, the announcement uh, is essentially just the uh, formalization of the announcement of, of the work that we did at the end of last year. Um, obviously, we're really excited about you know, Matt, uh, Matt Halls and his group are, are doing really amazing science. And essentially, uh, the goal is to make it so that you know, it's accessible uh, to their user base and essentially anyone that needed to be able to work through a, a significant number of materials or material families in a similar way to, to the Mega Run uh, could do that. Now, obviously, you know, they may use different scales and there may be differing amounts of compute hours that are more or less uh, affiliated with a, a human workload, but, but the bottom line is, is that this is now something that someone can push a button and do and it, it works. Mm-hmm. Right. And this required them to rethink their licensing models, I would imagine. Can you talk to that at all? So I know um, uh, Schrodinger handles basically, a, you know, in our in our uh, way of working, they basically bring customers bring their own license for Schrodinger. So from a <clears throat> pay per use uh, or other model, you know, I think um, the goal from from our perspective is to enable the compute side of the, of the science. And I know uh, Matt probably has further details around, uh, you know, how their 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 end users are, are consuming their software. Um, from from Cycle's perspective, you know, we actually think that that even without a significant change in the ISV's business model, there's a lot of benefit to customers around the infrastructure side of of not having to manage or alternately um, keep utilized a set of bare metal. Um, so especially for workloads that are kind of throughput oriented or or needling a haystack oriented, which is is really what this is. This is a you know you're trying to find the the hundred materials out of the two hundred and five thousand that might be really good candidates. Um, it's a kind of what we refer to as a needle in a haystack problem. Um, those operate really well at large scales, but also don't um, uh, don't necessarily run all the time. So it's a utilization issue for a, for a customer to to buy a cluster to run this if they're going to run you know the run in particular at a very small period. So although I, I can't directly speak to, you know, how Schrodinger's approached certain aspects of, of the licensing, I think, you know, the benefits to, to the customer are that they they have the ability to, to get a time to result that's very short, which in material science can have big impacts on patents and patent applications or in different compound families, much like in drug discovery for, for pharma, um, as well as the, you know, from ISB perspective, um, you know, ideally, Schrodinger is not really worried about how they can how they run this on on small to large amounts of infrastructure. This is something that we can work both in in someone's internal virtual environment or in an external uh, cloud environment very easily. So our you know our, I guess our our vision around this is that step one uh, in this process is to give customers um, choice around utilization of their infrastructure. And then there may be additional business model changes on the software ecosystem side. There also may not. Um, so one of the things that, on a related note, and this doesn't relate directly to, to um, you know, the, the material science workflows, but, but more relates to us as an ISV, you know, Cycle has usage-based pricing. We also have, you know, traditionally had annual uh, subscription-based pricing as well. 
Um, so we, we still will do, you know, whatever is in the best interest of the customer. But one of the things we've noticed is that in some cases, customers really want usage. But once they use it for a while, sometimes they actually prefer having a, uh, an annual subscription budget number, you know, that they're mm-hmm. dealing with. And so what we've ended up in is a bit of a hybrid model where you have kind of a fixed amount and, that you're using, and, and you can essentially budget to that. But there's also um, uh, the ability to go over that if you need to for, for big questions. And I, I'm curious to see where where the end customer, you know, kind of resolves to. I think it's a, a bit of a pendulum swing right now where sometimes, um, you know, basically it looks like usage would be an awesome thing, but from a certain standpoint, it also makes budgeting hard so it, it there are trade-offs involved, and what we've witnessed in our in our own customer base is that um, you know having kind of maybe more of a cell phone model where you have a, a base dial tone that's constant and consistent, and uh, the ability to go over if you need to uh, may end up being the right model. Uh, so it's 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 still a space that's evolving, and I don't know that customers really know what they want yet. There's still right. um, you know there's still a little bit of flux going on there in terms of the licensing. Absolutely. And overall, I mean, we've seen the IDC numbers on cloud adoption, and, and they're pretty positive given the trajectory that we've seen in the past where it was kind of slow and faltering. Where do you see things going over the next year or two in terms of HPC-specific cloud use? Yeah, so on, on, and we, you know, uh, HPC, you've got to be careful around some of that, that acronym because it means one thing to some people and one to another. Um, if we if we think about it as as either you know scientific or research computing or technical computing, which is inclusive of of some of the more strict definitions of HPC, as well as kind of throughput use cases like big data and analytics mm-hmm. and what have you, um, then in general we've seen huge huge amounts of adoption of cloud for especially for burst use cases. That's been a very big. Um, you know, and we, we have a, it's been a very big growth point for, for Cycle, and, and I would imagine the industry as a whole. Um, mm-hmm. We've been doing this now for, for seven years, I believe, seven, eight years. So we're, we're essentially, uh, we have a whole product that does everything from, you know, the audit and, and reporting side of, of who used what portion of, of the compute to do which kinds of jobs and workloads mm-hmm. to the tools to help the ISV ecosystem. So this has been great for us, and I, I think we we have seen definitely the same kind of uptick. The the near doubling, I think, was in the the teens, the mid below teens of uh, of HPC consideration of cloud, you know, two years ago, and then last year it was a near 25 percent, if I'm remembering mm-hmm. correctly, what those statistics right. were. Um, you know, that that near doubling is something we've seen in our own customer base. So it's been an exciting time from Cycle's perspective, and, and we're really excited about the work with Schrodinger because it's a, yet another example of, um, you know, the ability to put science in the hands of any user, um, you know, regardless of, of their ability to deploy a 156,000 cores. Like, they don't have to worry about, you know, being able to, to have a data center that can house even, you know, 25,000 cores. I mean, that's a lot of servers. Mm-hmm. Um, instead, they can they can access that uh, remotely, and, and by democratizing this, by making it more accessible, um, that's really what gets you know us up in the morning every day. Our our fundamental belief is that you know utility access to technical computing applications is going to be the single largest accelerator of of discovery and invention that, that humanity is going to see over the next 10, 20 years. It's going to be the, the driver. Um, mm-hmm. So to, that to me is really what. You know, I, I think we're, we're most excited about it in terms of, you know, the IDC numbers showing that people are actually looking at this. It's it's the 
it'll get a little bit more mainstream. That yeah, you know, yes, I can ask a right question, not the one that just happens to fit on the allotment I have on on this cluster environment. You know, it's it's an right. exciting change I think for end users. Mm-hmm. Well, we've been following your company since the beginning and following these numbers and trends around cloud for high-end applications, we'll put it that way, instead of just calling them HPC. Jason, thank you so much for taking time today. Nicole, it's always great to be here. We really appreciate it. Thanks. And thanks to all of you for listening. We'll be back again tomorrow. <laughs>